Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show Mike Hansen. Mike is a 20-year fitness industry change agent, born as a fitness professional and transformed into a digital innovation and fit tech expert. Mike is currently the managing partner of Endorphins, a fully integrated fitness streaming agency built for fitness creators. Mike has led dozens of brand strategies and digital transformations ranging from the creation of BKBX Studio Model to developing the fitness streaming strategy for MindBody. Mike has created multiple innovations, starting with pioneering the active gaming market as the co-founder and CEO of iTech and was selected as a top 100 by Entrepreneur Magazine. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. I'm so excited to talk to you today because you, I mean, honestly, I, I read a very abbreviated version of your bio. Your bio is really lengthy and impressive. Um, so share with our audience, how did you get started in the fitness industry? Sure. So I've been in the industry now 22 years. I saw your posting on 19 years. So I was like, how many years have I actually been in it? So I started in the club side. I was a trainer for 24-hour fitness. And I held pretty much most every operational role you could think of within the clubs. And from there, I transitioned out of the industry because I thought I needed to grow up and get out of sweatpants. And I actually went into healthcare-specific hedge funds, a very weird transition, but my education's in finance and economics. And when I did that, it actually realized that my passion was fitness uh, because I had left it and I kept thinking about it. And so when I went back, I went back and I put my entrepreneurial hat on and said, what's the biggest problem I could solve in this industry? At the time, the mission was, let's make fitness fun. And we looked at video games and we're like, what if we used our body as the controller versus our hands? Everyone says it's making kids obese and whatever, but let's embrace the technology. Let's get their attention where their attention's at. We built one of the largest commercial enterprise companies specifically in there. And that gave me my introduction into technology and media. And I quote unquote became this serious games expert. And since then, I've just embraced this entrepreneurial journey. I joke I haven't had a job in 15 years, and I've been building companies in the space and helping people innovate and work on strategies and uh, very much embraced and inspired through technology. I love that because it seems like you really had the foresight of you know what was coming and you were able to identify that way before many people could. So what's the goal of Endorphins, your current project that you're working on right now? Yeah, so Endorphins was born last year out of a project we were doing, a fitness streaming strategy. And the goal was to help fitness brands be able to optimize, perform better as it related to going into the fitness streaming world. No different than when a retail business might have went into e-commerce for the first time. There were groups and services out there that helped them do that, if not actually took their brands into that space for them we identified that there was nobody sitting in this horizontal position. And the reason I say horizontal position is because you could go find somebody to do production, to do strategy, 
to do digital marketing, to do engagement and merchandise in the store, but it was all generalists. There was nobody that was doing that from A to Z and we've identified seven steps. And so we decided to bring that all in house and put that together. So we call it a team of one for all your needs. And so do you work primarily with individuals or primarily with studios and brands? So um, we focus on anybody who creates content. So we say a fitness creator is somebody who's creating content and that can be an instructor or that can be a brand. Um, When you look at the markets where content is created, that takes place within boutique, uh, somewhat in clubs, very much within an instructor, digital native apps and connected fitness. So we work across a variety of markets our primary opportunity and market focus right now is really actually more in the boutiques because the boutiques have been creating content for the physical world. So it's a natural uh, extension for them to go in the digital world with content. So there's been a big demand there. And how important do you think the quality of video and set quality is in, in producing you know, a quality streaming production? Yeah, the quality question is an interesting one because honestly, and I haven't shared this on a podcast before and I'll share it this time, is that we look at content and there's actually eight categories of content that you can create content in fitness from our perspective. And that could be utility-based, experiential, high quality, low quality, authentic, professional, and we have this little map. What we recommend to people is we say match the quality of your brand. And so if this is a brand extension, you need to match the quality of brand, which then forces people back off of Zoom and into production. However, we look at video production and video on demand as a brand um, piece of branded content. And then we look at the Zoom product as more of a connection strategy where the instructor can connect with more people. So we look at the two a little bit differently. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you're an individual content creator, you know, and you are your brand yourself, I think that people are a little bit more forgiving and the expectation is not that you're going to have some super high quality studio production. But I think that if you're a brand that has, you know, a couple of studios and you have really an umbrella then I think the expectation, you know, correlates also with the price, right? And the experience. So you have to make sure that you're managing people's expectations. And I think right now there's just, you know, so much out there. So Mike, what would you say to somebody that's, you know, that says that the fitness online space is overcrowded? I'd say it is. (laughs) We have a little internal statement that we say fitness is a commodity, your story's not. Um, because there is so much content out there and you have to stand out. Um, the thing that you need to sell and or in, I guess the thing that you need to capture more or less is, is somebody's attention, right? And so you need to create a product that grabs their attention. And a lot of us naturally will migrate to stories, right? And so we think it's so important to tell the brand story in addition to the actual exercise video. We think there's a ton of opportunity to get behind your instructors and help promote them as people and who they are and connect with people that way. So those are some different ways that we could say it is a crowded space, but your story is not crowded. Right. I think that a lot of of the bigger fitness brands are kind of scared to tell that story of the individual content creator because they're kind of scared of losing their power. I think there's kind of like this struggle right now where a lot of brands saw that their individual instructors were going direct to consumer and they were kind of getting 
cut out of that piece of the pie. So what would you say to a gym owner or, you know, a fitness concept that has that fear right now? I'd say you have to embrace change because we're in different times. And this kind of roots back to part of what our vision is. And our vision brings together the instructor and the brand. And the reference that I will give in this is no different than the music industry where a record label appeared. The label might have owned the asset and had their specific brand, but they embraced the instructor, or I guess not the instructor, the artist in that situation, and brought the two together to go in the same direction. And I think you can go way further when you do that. And I think it's just the business model needs to, it needs to change. It doesn't have to be one versus the other. It can be one plus one equals two. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I still believe that fitness brands and gyms have an advantage in that they can provide a variety of different um, personalities and different instructors. Whereas if somebody goes directly to one content creator, they might kind of not get tired of them, but it's like very, you know, every workout, you already know that that person's personality, you understand like their kind of approach. And if you're looking for variety, which I think when people think of like class passes, success and, and whatnot, people do like variety. I mean, look at people on Instagram and social media right now, everybody seems like they have ADD. They're looking at things for two seconds. They want to know what's next, right? (laughs) Um, So tell us about this first uh, smart gym concept that you had developed in the past. Yeah. So the concepts came up basically where I was like, I walk into a gym they know I'm there, but they have no idea what I do, right? They don't connect with me. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I did for the day. And at the time, this was the early stages where there were starting to be connected devices that were appearing. And I was like, hmm, in smart homes, there was a hub and spoke model that appeared because I couldn't, there was all these different communication protocols that took place. And so I was like, what if we connected a gym? The gym knew I was there. It knew what I did. We could give that information back with the, for the ultimate thing of the right message at the right time. Um, and really the whole idea was the gyms could still be the hub in what ultimately would turn out to be a hub and spoke model. Otherwise they might become a spoke. And so we, we set out on this venture using beacons and cameras and mesh networks and things that people might not really understand what those are to just connect everything. And in doing so, we actually realized that people weren't using the app, which was going to be our identifier of the person inside the gym. In fact, some people are like, well, you're not supposed to have a phone in the gym, right? And I was like, well, 60% of people listen to music. The phone's in there, right? Um, But people looked at the app as information versus assistance, right? And so we needed to see that paradigm shift take place. And that's ultimately led us to let that kind of go to the wayside and put that on the shelf and do some work with some other groups relevant to that. Now it's a very um, relevant thing. There's groups that are working on how do we pull our technologies together to do that. And ultimately it comes back to what we think is a core strategy, even within endorphins, which is connections as a strategy. It just allows you to connect with people in better ways and more personalized ways because the future of fitness honestly is personalized wellness anytime, anywhere. And that could be inside the gym. That could be when I'm out there running, could be at home. Right. I think, you know, when you say personalized wellness, I think we're kind of at this point right now where consumers are so inundated with information and 
data and statistics, but they don't know how to process this information and they don't know how it applies to them. For example, you know, an everyday person might be wearing this fitness tracker and they're, mod- you know, they're seeing how many steps, they're seeing where their heart rate is, they're seeing their sleep cycles, but they don't really know what to do to actually improve their results or optimize themselves. So, you know, what do you think is next in that space? When you say personalized fitness, how are we going to make it personalized? Yeah, good question. If I think about it that way, I kind of would say that we all have a specific job that we're trying to accomplish when it comes to fitness, right? And so fitness can be a component of that job or it could be the job. And we need to understand the consumer there in order to personalize that. Because if, if for example, my objective is that I want to lose 50 pounds, but I want to lose 50 pounds because I have a heart condition, but my actual job is because I want to be alive for my kids when they grow up. We have to understand that in order to deliver the right information because it might not be the workout, right? That might just be a piece to a bigger picture. And I think that means we have to get more intelligent about our customer and understanding our customers. And I spoke about this at the CEO Summit like three years ago, and it was obviously around... uh, market segmentation and personas and how important that is to actually engage somebody and to get somebody's attention. You need to know what they're looking for. And I don't think we do that very well as an industry, uh, but I think we understand that we need to. And so there's steps being made. Right. I think we as an industry really need to meet people where they're at. And I think when I, you know, when I think of boutique fitness and fitness technology and then planet fitness, I think of like two opposite ends of the spectrum going after two totally different people. You know, I think boutique fitness, I mean, this is a very sweeping generalization, but goes after more the person that, you know, is a type A wants to be like considered an athlete, even though they might you know, have an office job or what have you. And then there's, you know, Planet Fitness serving pizza and candy, um, you know, say, you know, but they're going after a much bigger population. And I think there has to be somewhere in the middle where we're not necessarily intimidating fitness consumers with so much information that they can't process. You know, I think it's how do we connect with the everyday person and make it digestible, easily digestible so that they can, you know, keep moving. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Um, So where do you see the biggest area of opportunity in the fitness industry right now? It's a loaded question. Um, I'm embracing the Omni channel right now. Um, We saw that last year and I ultimately think that if the gym industry can transition from a location provider to a service provider model and try to gain the hub in a hub and spoke model, I think that is the opportunity that exists because like you said, there's so many different options and the consumer is no longer eating off one plate. They're eating buffet style when it comes to fitness and there's only so much room on that phone for an app and it's a question about who's going to own that thumbnail. And I think the gym industry had a leg up as it relates to it had the real estate because there's the experiential community side of going somewhere. There's the in-home and then there's the outdoors. And I think those are the three options they have. And I think you have to embrace all three of those. And that's where I would focus. And I just, I call that an omni-channel strategy. Right. And, and 
do you think that, you know, how, how could, if I'm a gym owner right now and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, okay, omni-channel, yes, I, I've read about omni-channel and Forbes, I've seen it on LinkedIn, sounds good. You know, what are the steps, right? I'm a gym owner. I have, you know, one studio, possibly three. How do I get there? How do I bridge that gap? Yep. So I think step one is that you have an existing set of resources, right? You might have people, you might have a location, you might have content, you might even have some special product that you made. And so how can I take that to meet the customer in today's environment? Because today's environment has limitations with proximity and all these other factors that are going on. I think it makes a lot of sense to take that brand and to say, what are the key things that make my brand unique and I'll call that like the analog side of things. And what's the digital equivalent of that? What's the natural thing that I can serve up that's still my brand and still my people and still everything I have for resources so I don't get into this brand new business? And what can I do in the digital side? Because the digital side does serve both of those other options. And you might not do it to the extent of Peloton. You might not do it to the extent of some of these big brands like Equinox is doing, but you can still do it. And it could be a brand extension or it could be a connection to just your existing members. But what I will tell you is that when you make that jump and that jump could be as simple as social media, that jump could be zoom. It could be very low hanging fruit that exists there that costs really no money. It's just time. Um, you will connect with more people and that's, that's proven. Our research last year when we did this initially was we, found out that about 75% of the video platform users were not members of the existing clubs, right? And so it was top of funnel. People were connecting with more people out there. It's a lower barriers to entry product. And so I think if you can take inventory of your existing resources, you can figure out what you're good at, figure out what the digital equivalent to that is, that's like an easy step one. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. And I also look at having a digital uh offering as a retention strategy too, because especially if you're in one of these um, very transient, you know, I'm based in Miami, it's a very transient area, you're still able to, you know, retain that person in your wheelhouse if they move away from your physical location. So what you were saying makes a lot of sense that it is an extension of your brand. And it's a way to actually, if you only have one studio or one gym, it's a it's a way to scale your brand without having to make the investment of opening up a brick and mortar location, right? It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and to that point really quick, there's many groups out there that have been in the space for a while that actually use digital to source their next location. They are able to see the demand or actually build up their brand experience in a city that they want to go to or test new products. And so when you move up to what I'll call the next step of things, you can use digital in such a way to still grow your existing business. That makes a lot of sense. And that's, you know, when we talk about fitness technology and data, I mean, that's one of the huge benefits is you're able to actually see the demographics that you're attracting and where these people are located. So then, you know, you know, it's kind of like data driven <laughs> expansion, which makes a lot of sense and is kind of, you know, otherwise, you're kind of guessing, right? There's no actual way to get those, those metrics. So if, 
somebody is a fitness creator right now and they're listening to this podcast and they've been thinking about going online, you've been teaching classes, but they're really not sure what the next step is. How could they connect with endorphins and why would they select to work with endorphins as opposed to some other streaming service? Yeah. So most people connect with us through social media or just going directly to our site at endorphins.net. And the reason why people have been drawn to work with us is we, we pride ourselves in probably having one of the deepest knowledge banks. We did a lot, a lot of research in this space pre-COVID as well as during COVID and now post. So we've seen the consumer trends because what naturally people will do is they will go out there and they will look for a platform. And what we tell people is just pause a second. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and actually create a content strategy and then select the tools that help you deliver that because we're seeing more switching happening than ever before because people say, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And they're limited by the tool. And so where we come into play is we actually start on that strategic side of the equation and then take you through that entire process as a seven step process for us. So no longer do you need to go to six or seven different sort of people in order to execute this. It's a team of one who has a ton of knowledge and we're able to walk you through that entire process. We always put between four and six people on a project, even if you're only using the other person for an hour. So we're able to do things much faster than a lot of the other providers that might be out there. So essentially a fitness creator or brand is getting a team, right? It's not just kind of do it yourself. And I think that's one of the things right now is there's so much information out there, not only for consumers, but for fitness professionals as well. And having that little bit of handholding really makes a difference because you don't know what's best for you and your brand. You know, it, it could be really overwhelming when you look at all the options. It's like, you don't even know where to start. It's like, I know I need to do this, but sometimes people get kind of handicapped or paralyzed by like all the information and then they walk away and end up doing nothing. I know that I'm the kind of person, like if there's a huge sale, like Black Friday every year, I fill up my shopping cart and then I just walk away from it because I'm like, it's too overwhelming. <laughs> um, so what's been the biggest challenge for you with endorphins and, and um, running this business? Yeah, so we are building the business in a market that is changing, right? So not only are we bringing in new people, we're building out areas. We have a strategic roadmap we have, um, that we're doing. Um, the industry as a whole as we're learning. So our product market fit is, is like happening on a weekly basis. And we're getting better at that as we possibly can. And then obviously, we're still heavily people driven. And so you have limitations there. Um, naturally. And so and at the same time, we're building technology to help ourselves scale with our customer. So we're going through those same sort of growing pains while at the same time trying to provide, you know, top notch, you know, service and expertise to the market. There's a lot going on people. So Mike, how do you handle this all personally as well? Because I think there's just, you've had so much success. You've worked with huge brands. You've been an advisor for some mega brands. You've developed numerous companies. How do you, how does that affect you personally and how do you handle it all, juggle it all? Yeah. Um, I've done really good at being able to handle chaos for some reason. And, um, how do I handle that? I handle that by working out, honestly, every day. I have to take that little break, sometimes twice a day, whatever it may be. 
Um, and I've embraced innovation and I really understand what innovation is. I understand it's an emergent strategy. I understand it's not a deliberate strategy. I understand the sort of mechanics of that. And so as soon as I understand that that's helped me do better at it and probably the biggest thing is I'm extremely passionate about this. And so when you wake up with that passion, the issues don't matter as much because you know what you're doing it for and you know the why and we know our purpose. And so like, that's a very important thing within the company is we know our purpose. Um, And our purpose, just to put that out there is our purpose is that we want to create more workouts and better fitness experiences because we believe those two things create endorphins, hence the name of the company. And we believe a world with more endorphins is just simply a better world, right? So we're just trying to get more of that feel-good chemical out there. Um, And so when we do that and we know we're touching and impacting more people, it's what drives us. And so who's your ideal client for endorphins? Like if you could meet a wave a magic wand and say like, this is the perfect person that we could service. Is that a studio owner? Is that a, you know, a strictly digital fitness brand, uh, you know, uh, an individual content creator? Who's the ideal client? Yeah. So right now the ideal client is probably somebody who is established in the boutique market. Um, just because they have probably some resources, they probably have an existing brand, they have some ideas behind their programming and what their story is. And we're able to move forward with them a little faster. When you deal with the individual, sometimes you have to define those things. And sometimes those things aren't naturally in place because they naturally just been doing business as a technician of a trade. And so our ideal client uh, would obviously exist in the boutique space right now. And what do you think the biggest struggle is right now in the fitness industry? I mean, obviously COVID has been a huge hurdle just with shutdowns for months, but I think there's always opportunities there whenever a negative comes in. And so what do you think the biggest struggle is if you had to narrow it down? The biggest struggle. I mean, there's going to be a major struggle as it relates to how do I operate the brick and mortar side of the business because the business model was built in a specific way that has limitations around capacity and things of that nature. So I think there's just a struggle in embracing change. Honestly, that might be the way I would think about it because sometimes we get set in our ways and those things can sometimes trip us up. Um, There's macro environmental climate things that we just have no control of right now, which is really hard to forecast a business and run a business on open the door and you get shut back down and you made an investment into that, but you didn't make the investment into digital because you thought you were going to be open in six weeks or whatever it may be. And so I would be looking at how do I mitigate the risk, assuming worst case, hope for the best plan for the worst. And with that sort of mindset, if you can put the fear aside, because I know there's a lot of people that are losing their businesses too, and embrace that, that'll help through that struggle. And it all goes back to what you said earlier, which is staying true to your purpose. I think it's a lot easier to embrace change when you're staying true to your purpose. You could still stay true to that purpose of creating community and impacting, you know, touching more lives, helping more people, creating better quality workouts and, and a healthier population. But it's just maybe the way that you're doing it has to change, but you're still able to fulfill your mission. And I think when people get so attached to the actual way that they do things, 
um, you know, they set themselves up for disappointment and then they're resistant to change. I think as, you know, p- just people in general, we resist change, whether it's positive mm-hmm. or negative, because it's just change, right? And I think if, if COVID's taught us anything, you know, we have to kind of make it work. We have to be, you know, we have to bend before we break and we have to kind of understand what's happening right now. And it's kind of, if you don't make these changes and you don't adapt, then you're not going to be able to survive. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's all brick and mortar or all digital, but there has to be some marriage of the two to really be able to survive and thrive right now. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with the audience and with me. Um, You know, I think that right now people are looking for solutions and they really need something like endorphins because it can be very overwhelming with everything that's out there and having that handhold, um, handholding experience and having, you know, professionals actually walk you through the process really helps to, you know, make it easier to understand and make sure that you're putting your money in the right place. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, you know, the one thing I would tell you as related to that is we have embraced kind of the navigator side of things and just with a simple one to our phone call, which we took away any sort of payment to just do that, to help people during this, this time, we normally can get somebody at least directionally correct. And if they find value in us after that, that's up to them, but we're more than happy to take a call and just answer questions. Uh, we never, request payment for that. And we just, we just have been helping the industry because it's an industry we love. That's great service. So if anybody wants to find out more, they just go to endorphins.net endorphins with a Z people. Okay. Thanks so much, Mike. (laughs) Thank you. Hi everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessasevariano.com or my social media handle. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.